Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Welcome to the Southern Alberta Council of Public Affairs luncheon. Thank you for coming today. We welcome both the participants here at our Sakpa luncheon as well as the viewers on the TV. We have to remind you to turn off your cell phones, so I should turn off mine. <laughs> um, my name's Beth Mundell-Atherstone. I'm your moderator today. The session today will be recorded. Please remember that the session costs $10 whether you eat or not. Put, <laughs> put your money in the basket and delegate someone at your table to count it. Just a reminder that SACPA is a volunteer nonprofit organization and relies on contributions of members and session attendees to continue its work of public education. Memberships are available from Lisa Lambert. We thank our partners, the University of Lethbridge, for support and distribution of the notices. We thank Country Kitchen Catering for always being there for us, for giving us a great lunch, and no matter what our numbers are, to be able to be flexible, kind of like an accordion. We thank Shaw TV for broadcasting the sessions, Sundays at 4.30 p.m. And we thank the Lethbridge Media for covering the SOCPA events. Our outline of the meeting format is that we will have a talk from our speaker for 25 to 30 minutes. Then we will have lunch, during which time you'll discuss, we hope you discuss, what was talked about and formulate your questions. And then we will have about a half hour question period, finishing at around 1.30. Our presenter today will be Dr. Austin Martin. Austin was born in Edmonton, but raised in Lethbridge, where he finished his degree at the University of Lethbridge. While an undergraduate geography student, he was accepted as a field scientist at the ASMET, NSF, NASA-sponsored Antarctic Meteorite Recovery Expedition. His descent into mental illness slowly started after he returned from Antarctica, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. He was able to complete two additional graduate degrees in the USA before suffering a complete mental breakdown and was subsequently diagnosed with schizophrenia. The first thing Austin was told after being diagnosed was that his life was over. However, it was not as he went on to finish a distance PhD and then went on to establish Prosper Place Clubhouse in Edmonton, a place where adults with mental illness can safely learn to live with their illness. He has also served on numerous committees and boards. Currently, he serves on the Premier's Council on the Status of Persons with Disabilities and the Alberta College of Social Workers. Dr. Martin received the Order of Canada in 2007 and has received high awards from the SSC and CMHA. This year, he received an honorary doctorate from the University of Alberta 
and the Medal of Honor, the highest award for a non-physician from the CMA. Dr. Martin and his father Ernst have collaborated writing several books on Alberta's history. He lives in Edmonton and his wife Catherine and his basset hound Gandhi. I have to say that on a personal note, uh, I've known Austin's parents for a very long time. I met his father at the university while we were both working there, and I met his mother uh, in regard to the after-school program that my husband and I were on the committee to help set up. So we've known his family for a long time. Let's all welcome Dr. Austin Martin. Well, it's a pleasure to be here today, and uh, um, although it wasn't a pleasure driving down, um, you know, I thought the uh, the uh, uh, forecast was uh, uh, windy in southern Alberta, but the uh, am I, should I move this up? The uh, it was actually much worse uh, between Calgary and Red Deer, and uh, we saw quite a few very expensive cars uh, in the ditch. So. Uh, I think everybody was surprised when uh, I appeared here yesterday. <laughs> Dear ladies and gentlemen, thank you for this opportunity, for invita the invitation to be here today. As many of you know, I have suffered from a mental illness for most of my adult life. That mental illness is schizophrenia. I probably originally began to suffer from schizophrenia, even though I don't like to admit it, even before... I actually went to Antarctica. The prodromal was probably there. Um, you, with schizophrenia, you go from prodromal or schizotypal, depending on what psychiatrist you're talking to, to um, is the feedback too much? Is the feedback's okay? Um, uh, to uh, then full-blown schizophrenia. And you can go in and out of uh, psychosis after that point. It's not like a broken leg that is broken and is, is, is measurable. It's much more ambiguous, much more difficult to come to terms with. Another interesting thing is that schizophrenia is probably not one type of illness. It might be five or six or even more different illnesses that are similar symptoms but a different cause, similar to what they used to think breathlessness was in the 19th century. The topic for today is the differences in the treatment and care one can receive when living in the city as opposed to in rural areas. The perspective I have come, that I come to on this topic comes from nearly 30 years of take, talking with people with mental illness and other physical disabilities, not scientific, but rather based on anecdotes and lived experience. The fir this first came to my mind when I observed the concentration of the mentally ill and the disabled, physically disabled also, in the inner city of, the of Edmonton and in this similar situation in, uh, in Calgary, rather than further out in the suburbs or bedroom communities. There seems to be a great fear of the disabled, especially the mentally ill in the broader community. I think a lot of this is because it's like a mirror to ourselves. We say, there go I, but for the grace of God. You, you, it's still un misunderstood. It's something that's different. People are afraid of something that's different. 
They're, they could see themselves having that experience, and therefore that fear erupts into anger and discrimination, not just stigma. I prefer to use the term discrimination than stigma. The stigma is the usual term that the Mental Health Commission of Canada and the government uses, but I see it as overt discrimination, which is a stronger word than stigma. I think this comes from a fear that the disability and the mental illness is also somewhat contagious. This was similar to AIDS, that we now know AIDS is not, if somebody had AIDS in this room, and hopefully nobody does, but uh, we would not get it by being in the same room as that person. We would have to have intimate contact. And I think a lot of people somehow feel that the mentally ill, somehow it's contagious. Somehow you can get it through just associating or being around them. And that's, and that's not actually the case. And I think that also that fear of, of the disabled comes down to that visceral fear of contagion. It is ironic that mentally ill people with schizophrenia are actually less likely to be violent than the general population, but are much more likely to be victims of crime. This is especially true with regard to financial crime. We are very vulnerable to being taken advantage of financially, as I myself have been a victim of. And um, when I'm not saying that violence doesn't occur, but that um, it's usually so spectacular and bizarre that it garners much more publicity than it's usually, it usually it, it, it tars the whole with the same brush, the whole group with schizophrenia or mental illness because of one individual. I mean, we don't assume all lawyers are... My wife is a retired lawyer, and we don't assume all lawyers are criminals because certain lawyers are criminals. Although, I like to say, you know, uh, I, I don't know if there are any lawyers in the room. She's, my wife isn't here, so I can't... I should control myself about lawyer jokes. She said I would have made a good lawyer. I don't think that's a compliment, and I don't think she means that. I've discussed with the Lethbridge MLA about the out-of-migration of people on age to rural acreages due to the high cost of living here in Lethbridge. A simple reality is that on a limited income, it is easier to function in an urban area with good public transportation system and access to superior health care than it is in a rural area, but the cost of housing is almost by definition less expensive in rural areas. When finances push a disabled person outside of the scope of accessibility to services, their health, well-being, and quality of life suffer. Rural areas rarely have the finances or the will to provide the infrastructure for services for the disabled individual that they might desperately need. In a, and it's almost a, a, a matter of the number of people that are in urban areas. So the government, the local governments, and I'm not talking about the provincial governments, have to deal with it. They realize there's a service. For example, do you have leisure access passes for disabled people that are free uh, in Lethbridge? Do you, do you have that? We have those in Edmonton. Uh, I don't know about Calgary, and uh, 
Um, I was telling the Minister of Health that this is an example of a cooperation between the province and mostly the city uh, that will improve people's health because they have access to, they won't be going likely when it's busy because they, they're not working. And uh, they are, their health is improved because of this access. And there have been various media reports about access to these health facilities that people have availed themselves of because they had this free pass. They didn't have even $2 when you're on a limited income can be a, can be a barrier. And I know of cases of people that uh, uh, ended up in Alberta Hospital because they couldn't, end, they couldn't afford a $2 bus ticket to uh, their psychiatrist. And so then eventually the government in the larger centers, you don't have discounted bus passes for aged clients in Lethbridge, do you? No? Well, they do in Calgary in some form, and Edmonton, and that's something that I would hope maybe somebody that was really energetic would do down here. It would be very beneficial. <coughs> I have a good friend who grew up in Peace River in northern Alberta. In his late teenage years, he became ill with schizophrenia. He was moved to Edmonton to the inner city to receive treatment for his illness, which was schizophrenia. He had no family or friends, friends support in place in Edmonton, except that which developed by living there for uh, 10 years. He never saw his mother for years at a time. This is repeated over and over again across the province. And there seems to be, um, and I've even seen this among psychiatrists, that they don't miss, they want people to move into the inner the cities where these large hospitals and facilities are that can be treated. There's another case I talk about in Lloyd Minster, where the psychiatrist said I, she didn't un, he didn't understand why she didn't want to move to Edmonton, even though she had no friends. She had fa five siblings in Lloyd Minster, and uh, you know uh, she would be all by herself. And I can't see how that would uh, aid in her recovery. Well, he wanted this um, female person with schizophrenia to move from Lloydminster to Edmonton, uh, saying that she couldn't get access to the best treatment. And really, that's a case that really stuck in my mind, you know, that really it should be patient-centered, not necessarily at the convenience of the, of the uh, system or the psychiatrist or the hospital. And that um, really, uh, that uh, um, the the outcome would be better with her with the supportive family and a social intact social fabric. If if the social fabric wasn't the problem in the first place, it really would seem important to retain the social fabric from a person's life in order to help them in their adjustment to their new disability or illness. However, if appropriate care is not available in their home communities, obviously they have to move away from support in order to get well. Some of the new technology that is being tried to bridge this gap is telehealth. For those of you that are, has anybody in the room used telehealth? Anybody? So you, you understand it. They have a video screen. For example, I've given talks up at the U of A and through Alberta Health Services where they, um, they have cameras at multiple locations and television, 
uh, and the television is up there. And it's like Skype. It's like a live interactive video feed. And so you can ask questions. We get very frequently get questions from the rural communities or Calgary. And then you, they see you. Now, the technology is uh, still being developed, uh, but it's something that is possible, could be expanded or developed. For example, if people could have counseling or see psychiatrists, the only problem is that with psychiatry, uh, it's necessary to see people's body language, and that's difficult to see over... Uh, over an internet hookup, because the, the, the you don't you get a very unidimensional experience. It's not the same as you know seeing me waving my arms around. I mean, you still see that on a screen, but apparently it's it's different somehow, and so it's not as superior. But uh, that's a possibility uh, with social media, such as Facebook. Um, uh, my wife is on a, a Catholic. Uh, a uh, website um, called FATMAS that um, counsels uh, people that are considering a vocation in the in the Catholic Church for for, for usually monks or uh, or uh, nuns, and uh, so she's has real time feed back and forth, and also asynchronous where it's not synchronized. So you type in like you know a comment, and then they then somebody else comments, and then you comment. That has certain problems, technically, again, with uh, um, that you don't get that human experience, but I don't see many people that... I saw one of the students from the class this morning, but um, most people that are young today, that's their general way of communicating. I I don't like it. I like to go for coffee with people, but they prefer to uh, deal over the Internet, and... And this is something even with veterans returning from Afghanistan are finding that they get more support from the Internet and Internet services through the government or, or each other than they do from the Legion, which is in person. And so, uh, so the Legion was commenting on this. Young people seem more comfortable dealing with other than the cyber world than the real world. There's even some new forms of counseling that make use of the new avenues of social media. Another problem and advantage is that patients and their families are becoming much more educated about their illnesses and disabilities through the Internet. Now when you go in to see a doctor, it's not like the doctor is the only repository of information. The problem is that, you know, a a good doctor will will take your experience on the Internet and your awareness of an illness and say, well, this is correct, this is incorrect, and will um, will guide you in the right ed- way because as patients and family members, you have to deal with your disability or illness for 24 hours a day, whereas the doctor only deals with it for five minutes every week or, or longer between visits. You have large regional or provincial hospitals that provide specialized rehabilitation that does not necessarily have to carry through in rural areas. There is no question that our inpatient rehabilitation in Alberta is excellent. 
but the follow-up for chronic conditions has fallen short, and I think the government would even agree with that. Some urban communities bear a greater burden for providing for the disabled and the mentally ill, and they are not spread out evenly across the province. This is evidenced by the concentration of social housing and social services in certain neighborhoods, usually in the middle of larger urban centers. These, and they're almost becoming ghettos, and they, they really are r real ghettos, and the government has created a two-edged sword. Living there means you have access to transportation, psychiatric care, and peer support. But as is the case where we live, it is also rife with drugs and dangers. For example, where I live in, uh, in Edmonton is in the Eastwood area, Alberta Avenue area, which is quite a dangerous part of Edmonton. There have been two murders, actual murders, within 100 feet of my uh, back door in the last two years. And I, I don't, I mean murders, you know, like very bad. And it's, it's just terrible. The, the police are even afraid to, uh, they won't go in individually in our neighborhood. They only go in pairs. Social workers actively encourage their clients to be closer to them because of transportation time. In a rural area, a person with schizophrenia might not even see a psychiatrist. They may, might instead have all their psychiatric care and medications managed by a family physician or even, hopefully, um, a neighborhood pharmacist. They might even have, they might have no access to peer support, group therapy, or social services. They might not even have access to a food bank, which unfortunately is a common need for those living on age. I believe again, as I've said before, that our new world of communication should be tapped in any possible way to bridge that divide. A psychiatrist by teleconference is dramatically better option than having access to none. I'll leave you with the story of a friend of mine. He had a history of, of that made living in the downtown not the best fit for him. I won't go into why. He chose to live in Sherwood Park, which is an urban community around Edmonton, hoping to escape the negative pressures of the inner city. This meant that he had to take a 90-minute bus ride one way each time he wanted to see his doctor, therapist, or any kind of support. There were no supports for him in Sherwood Park, and they were quite deliberate about that. They've improved it since then because of advocacy amongst uh, family members. If he left too late, he had no way to get home as a commuter bus would stop running and would have to live that night in the uh, single men's hostel. Eventually, the authorities in Sherwood Park just refused to help him completely. Because he had a medical history, he ended up in Alberta Hospital for eight months, then returning to the inner city at a much lower level of life functioning. There has to be a better way, and we ha are the ones who have to find it. And I think that some of the social media, and especially for people under the age of 30 or 40, that's part of their world. It's, it's not really part of my world, but, uh, uh, but uh, it's, that's an option. Uh, telehealth, there are many options to provide better services, but this fact that there's this concentrating 
of people with psychiatric illnesses and disabilities in the inner city should be um, should be addressed. Thank you very much.